last week and I was in New York and there was a, a workshop we did for mental health professionals and it was huge. There was like 1,300 people that came for the Friday night of it. And one of the things that was so clear is the Buddhist teachings, mindfulness teachings are not just a it's not just a little spike in uh, curiosity in the culture that it's really quite a happening thing around the country that people from all different professions whether it's mental health or education or working for government, environment, whatever the practices of paying attention allow us to do what we do with more wisdom, more compassion they make a difference And one of the themes at this uh, workshop really was how we create separation, how we create separation from our own bodies and hearts, really turn against ourselves, and also how we create separation from others. And one of the um, teachers, Ajahn Chah, who's a Thai meditation teacher, died about five, six years ago, he described the whole of the spiritual path as stopping the war stopping the war that in any moment that we've really put down the judging put down the resisting in other words the war we have with what's happening right this moment even the slightest bit of war like we're waiting for something else and then of course the war where we make others into really others out there And with that otherness, it can be everything from a bit of resentment and feeling insecure to making real war in terms of physical violation. So I thought it would be valuable to continue tonight and and just to say that it's interesting to watch ourselves watch a debate. You know, watch ourselves as we are part of this whole political process and I can say for myself that I grew up in a very, very political family very liberal left and so it it was just an assumption it's part of my persona, part of my belief system of strong opinions of what I think is right and this and that and watching how I um, in so many parts of my life I don't create the other but in politics it can just kick in like that and all of a sudden I'm you know the good guys and the bad guys and it's all very much that trance of other I bring this up because what if we could really kind of invite ourselves this evening and, and through this whole process to kind of notice that trance and what would happen if there was really truly an equanimity and an openness so that we're not, it's not this right-wrong it doesn't mean that we give up discriminating wisdom it doesn't mean that we don't have some intelligence about sensing, well, this is going to lead to this is going to lead to this and so this is where I'm putting my vote and my energy I'm not saying that we, that we drop our um, discriminating wisdom it's the aversiveness in our hearts that actually fuels the very things that I would suspect every one of us would hope would end on this planet that fuels the bigotry, that fuels the violence, the injustice
there's something very powerful that we discover when we begin to see through the mask. And, I, and I, when I say that, I think I've shared here that kind of metaphor many times of what we all have this spacesuit that we take on to try to make it easier to navigate our environment. And it's the way we present ourselves to the world. And others have them too. And when we relate to who we are as, oh, if, if we think we're the spacesuit, when we see others, all we're going to see is their spacesuit or their mask. And that part of really this awakening that we're all participating in is to see through our own mask and remember who we are, to remember the, the consciousness that's here and the heart that's here. And the more we remember who we are, the harder it is to see another as their mask, as their conditioning. In other words, when we really opened our hearts to our own being, it's just natural to see the, the innate goodness and spirit of another. And when we do, we feel really high because it's kind of a homecoming. You know how it is when you have an initial bad impression and you get to know someone and find out with delight, you know, that there's that resonance and how good that feels. Or today, I, um, I was going to the post office and this little boy was being really y- loud and yanking his mom around. But then this old woman w- was carrying something came to the door of the post office and immediately he broke free of his mother and he ran and he opened the door and he goes, there you go, you know. And it was like, yeah, you know, it, it was just beautiful to see that. And then today someone sent me this news. It says, Aledo High School seniors pick classmate with Down syndrome as homecoming queen. Just brought tears. Kristen Pass, an 18-year-old senior with Down syndrome, became Aledo High School's homecoming queen Friday to a joyous standing ovation and the flutter of a thousand tissues on a remarkable night for an amazing young woman. And it describes how she and eight others had been nominated and they were waiting the results. It was cast by 360 members of the senior class. And what really got to me was the collective high, that they all intuited that they were just waking up out of some smaller mold and, and celebrating the beauty that's shining through all of us. That It was a collective high and it had some wisdom to it. When we are identified as our spacesuit, you know, the liberal spacesuit or the do-gooder spacesuit or the addicted person spacesuit or whatever it is, when we're identified, we act out of it. And the sign of our identity, the who we are shrinking, is that we're reactive. So we might have an idea that what we value is peace or is love or is freedom or whatever it is. We might have an ideal. What I care about is oneness, etc. But the flag is that something happens, somebody criticizes us or or our portfolio shrinks or whatever it happens to be (laughs) and all of a sudden we're in a clutch and we know that the spacesuit we've identified with is something other than that that spirit, that oneness, that heart. So what happens 
is for each of us is that when we're, our identity is narrowed and we're reactive, it's usually fueled by either a sense of something is missing, the sense of I'm incomplete, I need something more. And that, that makes us kind of restless and it makes us want to consume in different ways. And you can sense when there's a sense of I'm not enough or I'm incomplete, how are we in relationship? Well, in some way the other is just has to be something that completes us, that affirms us, that approves us, that, that likes where we're at. In other words, rather than a spontaneity, we need something from the other. And then in our day-to-day life, when there's that restlessness, there's some form of taking in. We just keep taking in and never are satisfied. It's like this um, article on inner peace. Some of you might remember. The way to achieve inner peace is to finish all the things you've started. So I looked around to see all the things I'd started and hadn't finished. So today I finished one bottle of gin, a pack of cigarettes, a bottle of red wine, a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, my Prozac, a large box of chocolates, six pack of beer. You have no idea how good I feel. So, <laughs> so, so that one theme, in, and this is very much in the Buddhist tradition, of, of um, when we're in our spacesuit, is the belief and the feeling of not enough, something's missing, incomplete. And you can look at in your day and your life and sense, was there that? Is there that restlessness? Often it has a sense of whatever we're doing, we should be doing something else. It's not the right thing to be doing or the place to be. The other version of the spacesuit self that's in reaction is a clutch of something's wrong. And again, when we're caught in that, how do we relate to another person? In some way they're a threat and we have to hide something, we have to defend. And we get caught in a kind of mental proliferation that creates a trance. So one of my favorite stories on this, tonight I thought he was acting weird. This is her diary. We had made plans to meet at a bar to have a drink. I was shopping with my friends all day long so I thought he was upset at the fact I was a bit late but he made no comment. Conversation wasn't flowing, so I suggested we go somewhere quiet so we could talk. He agreed, but kept quiet and absent. I asked him what was wrong. He said nothing. I asked him if it was my fault. He was upset. He said it had nothing to do with me and not to worry. On the way home, I told him I loved him. He simply smiled and kept driving. I can't explain his behavior. I don't know why he didn't say I love you too. When we got home, I felt as if I had lost him, as if he had wanted nothing to do with me anymore. He just sat there and watched TV. He seemed distant and absent. Finally, I decided to go to bed. About ten minutes later, he came to bed, and to my surprise, he responded to my caress, and we made love. I still felt that he was distracted, but I gave him my all. He fell asleep. I cried. I don't know what to do. I'm almost sure that his thoughts are with someone else. My life is a disaster. His diary. I shot the worst round of golf in my life today, (laughs) but at least I got laid. (laughs) So 
it's a cute example, and yet we know, and, I, and this is the point really, we know how many moments our mind are tripped off on what other people are thinking, or what's going to go wrong, or what has gone wrong, and those are moments that we're not here, that we're divided against ourselves and divided against others. Our beliefs, our beliefs that something's wrong or something's missing create our behaviors, and this is something I'll bet everyone here knows, that our behaviors then produce exactly the experience that reinforces our belief. We're driving someone else away because we're insecure, and then it reinforces a sense of something's wrong with me, or whatever, there's so many versions of it. At this weekend um, in New York, I was talking with one man uh, from Canada who works with HIV survivors, and one of the things he told me that had a kind of tragic quality was how these survivors are actually pretty healthy, they're doing well and yet there's a tremendous amount of anxiety and depression and what it comes out of is this belief of feeling worthless, marginalized, like in some stigma or whatever, but it's this belief of something's wrong with me, not the actuality of their health or their capacity. But the belief then creates the behavior that keeps them feeling marginalized. So the Pali word papancha, this proliferation where we have a belief and then we keep on obsessing and then creates the behavior, creates another experience and we keep cycling. Stopping the war. Stopping the war. In other words, stopping these, the cycles of reactivity, whatever they are, that keep us from being at home with ourselves and at home with each other. And the training, and and this is really what brings us to gather in some way, there is a training of the heart and mind, a training in presence, that helps us to break through the trance, that helps us to realize, oh, I've turned on myself, I'm caught in an obsession, come home, come home or helps us to see, oh, I'm caught in this, you know, for me, I'm caught in this kind of political trance of making another the bad guy. And what does it feel like inside when I'm caught in that, really? For me, in some way, I've given myself permission. Like I have this one little segment where I've given myself permission to be kind of partisan and, um, you know, almost mean-spirited, like wishing bad things, you know, that kind of thing. How to challenge that? Because, you know, if our heart is tight in one area, it's just plain tight. It's not like we can be selectively at war. You understand? So it's a practice of presence. And for me it means, like I noticed that um, I was driving by this area in northern Virginia with very uh, wealthy big homes and I saw just one after another had Obama signs. And I went, yes! You know, and like that kind of thing. And then I, and then I um, checked inside and I started breathing and just felt this kind of energy that wasn't home. It doesn't mean I can't have all, a lot of um, passion for how our country goes. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't get out there and canvas and vote for whoever we believe in. This is not, and this isn't taking sides in this talk, it's that 
check our heart. For me, checking my heart, there was kind of a tightness. It was, it was, a, it was a spacesuit kind of persona. I was not home in that moment. Do you understand? So it's a practice of presence. And the way the practice of presence goes is it first begins by breathing and feeling what's in our own body and heart. And if for me I can stay and feel that kind of tightness and then underneath that I could sense a layer of fear, like I'm afraid, I'm afraid for our country and I'm afraid for the earth. And if I can then stay present under that fear, there's caring. And then it's not a kind of a, a nasty partisan feeling, it's just plain caring. That's coming home. When we can come home to the vulnerability that's here, those layers of experience, we actually come home to a presence. And we can see that presence in others. One woman was describing a couple of years ago to me uh, her child who had some disabilities and was, was, when she talked to me was in his 20s and living independently but had a lot of emotional suffering, a lot, a lot of shame and anxiety and a hard time in terms of getting, finding work that he could stick with. And she said, Tara, should I send him white light? You know, should I send him a lot of white light? And my response was, you can. You can send white light. But really, where the healing is, is to see who he is. So, what happened was that she would, you know, be with him and sense her fear and wanting to make him different. And instead of sending white light right away, her practice was to stay with her fear because any parent knows that um, so much of what we do is out of fear that they're not going to be happy or that we're not doing our job right and instead of doing that just to stay and feel her fear and then underneath her fear her caring and underneath her caring back to presence again and it was from that presence she could look and see past the mask of his conditioning to have certain um, challenges to the humor and wisdom and light and beingness that was looking through his mask. If as parents, our friends, our citizens, we have the capacity to come home to that presence, to see who's there, we bring it out of them. We bring it out of them. Otherwise, all that's happening is we're communicating fear and we're crea- and energetically on the earth, that's what happens. When our political actions or our parenting actions or our actions with coworkers are based on fear, that's what it creates. So the practice of waking up out of that dividedness is to pause and feel what's going on inside us and come home to that presence, feel the vulnerability, and the goodness. This is Denise Levertov. She says, Look inward. See me with embryo wings, one feathered in soot, the other blazing ciliations of ember, pale flare minions. Well, could I go on one wing, the white one, 
fly into love's country on light and no shadow. So we open to the humanness, the shadow, the vulnerability. And in that openness we discover the light. So I'd like to do a guided meditation with you where you'll have the opportunity to pick somewhere in your life where you know you get caught in that dividedness I'm talking about. I gave you my example with politics. Yours might be um, with a partner. Yours might be at work. Family. This is an opportunity to explore what happens if we move through difficulty and really call on the wisdom, the one who's really looking through the mask. So we're pausing and it's a chance to really inhabit the pause. And sense what it means to come home right into this moment. Perhaps feeling the breath with a careful attention. Just noticing your state of mind and body right now. And inviting in whatever situation wants your attention, where you get caught in that trance, where you get caught in your own reactivity, perhaps in a conflict with another, And as with all guided meditation, some of you might not have something that's compelling or might not be in the mood or might be sleepy. And you can do this however really most resonates for you. It may be that you just sit and be with your breath for now. There's no right or wrong way to do these. But if you have some great difficulty, some conflictual situation, somewhere where your heart gets closed or reactive. Let yourself really think of it and and if you're imagining it like a movie, go right into the scene where it's most difficult. So you're right in the thick of it. And let yourself feel fully what it's like when you're feeling stuck. It may be that somebody has said something or is acting in a certain way. Sense what's the worst part about this. What you think is going to happen, what you're afraid of what it means to you that another person's acting a certain way or that you're acting a certain way. So 
So you're aware of the dividedness of feeling the stuckness of separateness. And this meditation continues. It's kind of a classic form of calling on wisdom. You hear a knock on the door and you're going to go to, you're going to leave the situation and go to the door and open the door and who's going to be there is a figure of great compassion and wisdom. So somebody's there at the door. Could be Gandhi or Kuan Yin or Mother Mary or Jesus, Buddha. Somebody you know that's, that in some way expresses great compassion and wisdom. But somebody showing up at the door. Just sense who wants to be at the door. Dalai Lama. Some figure of wisdom, of great heart. And what they're basically saying is, here, let me help you. Give me your body. You'll be invisible and you just bear witness. But give me your body and I'm going to show you how to walk through this situation. So you give them your body and sense what their experience in your body is like, their mind and their heart, how it's like they've taken over your body and then this figure of great compassion in your body goes back into the situation and notice how that being using your body responds. How do they try to deal with it? when that being is finished responding to the situation he or she goes back to the door and you make the switch back so you're back in your body again and then that wise being gives you a gift some gift could be anything. And the being touches you kindly and whispers in your ear some message, some words of advice or inspiration. So just listen.
Okay. So let me check in with you. Um, first maybe to ask, um, who came? Who appeared at the door? You can just raise your hand and we'll just, without the mic, we'll just, I just like to hear from you. Who came? Anyone? Yeah. A Tibetan monk. Who else? Yeah, please. Reverend Alexander. Okay. Who else? Yeah. His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln. Great. Yeah. Who else was here? Yeah. Nelson Mandela. Great. Yeah. I'm sorry? I missed it. I want to hear it. Warren Buffett, all right. Let's hear it for Warren Buffett. Anyone else? Who else was here? Yeah, please. Your dad, your father. Lovely. Let's just hear a couple more. What? Your husband was here? And, yeah. Wow, my old... Hmm. Your friend who died who was 92. So we have husbands and fathers and friends that died and the Dalai Lama and Abraham Lincoln and assorted others. They were all here in the uh, River Road Unitarian Church this evening. That's great. So let me ask you, how did your body feel when this being stepped in? What did you notice? Be just interested in hearing, and I'll just if, raise your hand, and I'll repeat what you say so everyone can hear. What do you notice? Anyone? Yeah, please. I actually had a shiver. You had a shiver. I felt just really light and really tall. Really light and really tall, but it wasn't Abraham Lincoln, right? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Light and tall. Yeah. Comfort and security when you felt him. Yeah. Beautiful. What else? Yeah. Relief. relief. When someone stepped in, you could feel relief, a kind of, whew, yeah. Good, yeah. I felt held. You felt held. So when that being was, when the Dalai Lama was inside you, it was kind of like you were embraced. Nice. Anyone? Yeah, please. Confident. I'm sorry? Confident. 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 So there was a kind of a, a kind of a power that came through, or confidence. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, please. I'm sorry? Understood. You felt understood. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. You had... Tr- so you had trouble giving up control. That is great. So th- again, this is an example. What George is saying is, you can do a guided meditation. It's not supposed to come out a certain way. You know? So you found, you found out something about yourself that it was hard to kind of surrender and invite that energy to come through. Keep paying attention to that. Yeah. Anyone else? This is great. Anyone else on what you noticed? Yeah. More objectivity, detached. Yeah. More objectivity and detached. Yeah, in the back. You were agreeing with feelings of being part. In other words, something you kind of got in touch with his truth and it made sense to you. Yeah, beautiful. Anyone else? Yeah. So the stress you were carrying from the situation was carried onto that being's shoulders. And you hadn't been... So you got more aware of actually what... Good. Okay. Um, 
Anybody want to share what message came through? Yeah, please. Anyone? Yeah, please. It'll be fine either way. Good. That's equanimity. <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah. Be kind to yourself. How many of you had something in that kind of realm of being kind to yourself? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Be patient. Be patient. Yeah. Stay. Stay. What other messages? Yeah. I am beside you always. Beautiful. Yeah. Somebody over there? I saw, yeah. I'm always here for you. That's powerful. Yeah. Anyone else? Please. There's only love. Now we could do that piece all night. Just listen to what messages come through. Please. You are who you are and it's okay. That's really, that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Anyone else before we close? Yeah. I have the wisdom. I do have the wisdom, which is, thank you, because that's where I'd like to, um, the segue. The reason I wanted to do this, this particular um, meditation is because whatever we reach out to and experience is within us. So if you experience um, a being that gives you courage or a being that takes your burden or if you experience wisdom or comfort, that quality of awareness is already there inside you. It's only a shift of attention away. If you can pause and invite the Buddha nature that really is your nature so that when we get stuck, when we get in a conflict, the only thing that separates us from it is that we react instead of pausing. If tonight when you're listening you pause, those that are going to listen, I don't want to assume everyone is, but you pause periodically and say, what does it really mean to be at home in my deepest truth? Or when you're with your children or with your partner or at work, there's a pause and you just imagine if you called on the Bodhisattva, called on Jesus, called on the Dalai Lama, what, if you were in touch with that wisdom and heart, what would happen? That little shift of attention can break this pattern of conditioning that keeps us separate from ourselves and separate from others. So let's do our final pause together. Just close your eyes for a few moments.
let your senses be awake in a very simple way, just simply noticing the sounds that are here. Feeling whatever mood is in your heart. We'll close with the loving-kindness prayer. May all beings everywhere be filled with loving presence, be held in loving presence, know their deepest nature as loving presence. May there be peace on earth, may there be peace everywhere, May we realize our oneness. May we live from that connectedness. May all beings everywhere awaken and be free. Namaste. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.com dot org slash donate